0: Oh, that's good stuff. Man, it's so good to be back at Celebration. How many love your church? You know, I was thinking, it's got to be pretty easy to love this church. It, it's easy to have a heart for the house when you know the house has a heart for you. And uh, and your your pastors and their whole family just are the best. How many thankful for them? How are you thankful for your pastors, for the whole family? They're just... Uh, just awesome, and you guys are just so blessed to have them, and uh, and they love you. Here's what I found. Life goes better when you put God first, and one of the ways you put God first is to get planted in his house, and I can't think of any better place to plant yourself than right here in celebration. How many want to see your life flourish? Yeah, you know, one of, the, one of the ways you do that, one of the ways, how do you say, how do you plant yourself? What does that mean? The Bible says when you plant yourself, you flourish. How, how, how do you plant yourself? Well, one of the ways is to show up. Look, you're doing good tonight. Just by being here tonight, when you walk out those doors to your car, you can just declare over your life, Father, I thank you this week, my life's going to flourish. My business is gonna flourish. My relationships are gonna flourish. My health is gonna flourish. I'm flourishing because I made a choice to plant myself in God's house. Yeah. Uh, another way to plant yourself is to find a place to serve. There's all kind of great stuff happening around. Where can you where can you start serving? Where can you start helping? That's another pray for your pastors. Or pray for their family. That's another great way to plant yourself. Be generous. And faithful in your giving when you have opportunities like we just had tonight. You know, every time we give in an offering, that's another opportunity. You go, oh, another offer? No, it's another opportunity, another opportunity for you to be a blessing and for you to walk in God's blessing. How many? How many? How many have ever heard that? Say, hey, you got to take a good, take advantage of a good opportunity. How many have ever heard of that? Let me see your hand. Are you all with me? I'm just making sure you all with me. Yeah. So I always say, hey, take advantage of good opportunities. And there you have every time you have a chance to give is a, an opportunity to, to be generous. I, thinking, I was thinking about good opportunities. I was thinking about uh, I grew up in, in the south in Mississippi, a little small town out in Mississippi. And I remember this, this, uh, there was this farmer in Mississippi had this nice piece of property. And in the back part of his property he had this little pond, Beautiful shaped pond, just perfect circle pond. And he thought, you know what, this would be a great opportunity to let some people come swimming. I mean, it would be a great swimming hole, and I could fix this up a little bit and just let people swim if they want to swim. And so he said, I'm going I'm I'm to do that. So he fixed it up, planted some fruit trees and put some, some benches out there. And he said, look, I'm going to give people an opportunity. If you want to come swim, he told the whole little town about it. If you want to come swim at my pond, it's free. Just feel free. It's a nice swimming hole. Take advantage of the opportunity. Well, he, a few months had gone by, and he'd wondered if anybody had taken advantage of the of the opportunity. So he thought, I'm going to go out there and check and see if anybody's been swimming in my pond. He picked up a little five-gallon bucket he had in his garage. He thought, while I'm down there, if there's some fruit, I'll pick some fruit off the trees. And he got a little on his way down to the, the pond. As he got a little closer to the pond, he heard some people. He heard some people laughing and swimming, and he, he, he got a little closer. He looked, and there was a, a group of of, of Girl skinny dipping in his pond out there. He thought, what in the world? He said, I can't. They, they All of a sudden, they saw the old man coming, and, and one of them yelled, hey, old man, stop right there. He, he, she, she said, don't you come any further. Don't you think for a minute you're going to come down here and see us without our clothes on. He looked at them. He held up his bucket. He said, look, I didn't come down here to see you girls without your clothes on. I just came down here to feed my alligator. Got to take advantage of a good opportunity That's all I'm saying right there. That's all I, I'm saying. I don't know. Sometimes these just pop in my head. I don't know why they do that. But um, let, me, let me show you something tonight in the Bible. It will get better, I promise. I promise. There's a story in the book of Numbers. You, many of you probably heard this story before. Maybe some of you never have heard the story. But it's about Moses. He was the leader of the, of the Israelites. And they left Egypt, and they were headed over to this place called Canaan. Now, Canaan—some people, they, you might have heard this teach—they they talk about Canaan being a type of heaven, and uh, and, and I don't really think it was—it it was really a type of heaven like some may may think, because it had giants. There was giants in Canaan, and and uh, there's no giants. Heaven doesn't have conflict, so there couldn't be any giants up there. So, so what, here's the way I want to look at this tonight: Egypt. We'll look at it as kind of like failure zone. And then Canaan would represent success. How many, how many want to be a success, by the way? You want to do well in life? You want to do well in what you do? And, and, uh, and, and you might as well want to be because God said if, you, if you'd commit your plans to him, he'd cause them to succeed. So, uh, so obviously God wants you to succeed. And he, and he said make some plans. I think making plans is important. You know, a lot of us don't make plans. so the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow. It did. It said, don't worry about it. it. Didn't say don't plan it. It just said don't worry about it. You'll find if you have a plan, you'll worry a lot less. And and, and so so he, he also he said, if you read my word day and night, do what it says, then you'll you'll prosper and you'll have good success. So so let's look at this success. Canaan, Canaan would be like a symbol of our dreams, our goals. Uh, places of victory, because we all have dreams and goals and things we want to accomplish. So every person should have them. God intended you to have goals and dreams. And here's what I found. You'll never leave Egypt until you can see yourself in Canaan. You'll never leave where you're at until you can get a picture. I don't like where I'm at. Where would you rather be? I don't know. I just don't want to be here. It's like going to the airport. You can go to the airport. There's planes flying all over. But until you decide where you want to go, you're still going to be at the airport. You know, they don't sell your ticket based on where you're at. They sell your ticket based on where you're going. And a lot of people go through life. Some of you are in, in the same place right now that you were at the beginning of the year. Nothing's changing. And nothing's going to change until you change. A part of making a change would be maybe having a plan. First of the year, my doctor got my physical. My doctor said, Dave, you need to lose 25 pounds. I said, all right. And so I went at it, got the end of, about the end of March, and I had about 30 to go. Well, something wasn't working, and I realized what, what, what happened was I didn't have a plan, so I said, I need to make a plan, so I, I made a plan, and first of April, I started to work the plan, and, and since first of April till now, I've lost about 40 pounds, and, uh, and, and, and this isn't a weight loss seminar. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you that, that, that when, I, when I developed a plan and I set a goal, things began to change. And so, as you begin to see how, do you, how you see yourself or how you uh, can, can really begin to change things in your life. So, I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about how you, how you see yourself. There's really three ways to see yourself. You can see yourself the way other people see you, which may be good, may not be good. I, I learned a long time ago, what other people think about you is none of your business. Quit worrying about what everyone else thinks about you all the time. I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. I mean, the Bible said, as a person thinks, so will they be, so are you. Uh, the second way to you see yourself is how you see yourself, and that's, that's called a self-image, uh, self-confidence, and we all want to have a good self-confidence, but, you know, things happen to us and affect our self-esteem. I mean, all of us probably have had things we could think of that people have said to us or done to us if we held on to it, really could affect our, our self-esteem. I remember one time in high school, a girl broke up with me. She said, I'm breaking up with you. You got low self-esteem. I was like, great, that, that helped. You know what I'm saying? I just Another time in high school, this girl called me. She goes, hey, come over to my house. Nobody's home. I went over there. No, nobody was home. No, I just, I just kept knocking. That hurts. That's damaging to your self-esteem. But the, the third way to see yourself, third way to see yourself is to see yourself the way God sees you. Now, if you could get a picture of yourself the way God sees you, that would that would really begin to change everything. So here in in numbers chapter thirteen uh, we we see it starting in the very first of that that uh, verse one, the Lord said to Moses he said, "I want you to send some men over to explore to scout out." Uh, the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give you, I'm going to give the Israelites, and each tribe of your father shall send a man, and every, every one a leader or a head among them. So you got 12 of them, 12 tribes, and sent 12 of them over there. And then you go down to verse 18. You can read this whole thing a little bit later. It's a great. It's a great uh, story to read the whole thing, and they went and they said to see what the land is, and whether the people who dwell there are strong, whether they're weak, whether there was a lot of them or whether there was just a, a few of them, whether the the land to live in was good or bad, or whether the cities were uh, camps or whether they were strongholds, whether it was fat or lean, whether there was timber or not, I mean they're going to check out everything, and it was it was uh, it was the time of, of grapes it was the time for grapes to to uh, to ripen and to be picked and and uh, and they got there to verse 23 they got down there and they cut a branch of, of grapes they cut one of the clusters of grapes and they carried it on a pole between two of them and they brought back some pomegranates and figs too. I'm thinking if, if it took two of them in a in a pole to carry a cluster of grapes must have been some big grapes. Thinking about the size of those grapes, that's pretty good. I mean, in Moses here, verse 27, and they and they came to the land to which was uh, you sent us, and it surely it flows with milk and honey. And they look, look at the size of these grapes, like basketballs, I'm figuring. You know, this is the fruit that comes from over there. And the people who dwell there are strong, and their cities are fortified. And they're talking about, and, and they said, they, we saw the sons of Anak, uh, great structure and courage those were the 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 giants the giants and and verse 30 go down to verse 30 and Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said hey look so they're coming back they're going look this place they're they're big they're giants they I mean it's it, it's 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 a it's a pretty big place it's a pretty big giants and and Caleb says look Quiet, guys. Be quiet just for a minute. Listen, and he tells Moses, he goes, "Let's go up and take the land. I think we can we can take it. So so let's do it." And 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 the fellow scouts said, "We're not able. We're not able to go up there. And people, they're too strong. They're stronger than we are." And and they brought the Israelites an evil report of the land that they had scouted out. They said, "There's no way we can take it." And and they said, "Look, uh, there we saw these giants, and uh, and and we look like grasshoppers compared to them." In our own sight, if you look at the end there, it says, "In our own sight, as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight." So, first of all, it said, "This is how we see ourselves. We see ourselves like grasshoppers." How do you see yourself? Remember, I said that's really important how you see yourself. But uh, he said, "Even even they think we look like grasshoppers." Now they hadn't even talked to them. They just. How many have ever thought someone thought something of you and you didn't even know? You really didn't know. I know they don't like me. I know they don't. I know. You never even talked to them. How do you know they don't like you? But you just assume that, and that's what happened here. They're assuming they don't like us. We look like grasshoppers. They think we look like grasshoppers. And this whole account, he got these 12 spies. They went out there, and it says 10 of them came back with evil reports, and two of them came back with good reports. Now, I don't think that ignoring the giants was what made their reports good or evil because 10 of them came back saying the giants are huge over there. Two of them came back going, hey, look, let's take it. We can take the land. We can take them. And I don't think it was the giants that really made this difference. All 12 of them knew there were giants there. But the the two faith spies, I like to call it, um, does anybody remember those two, the name of those two? Anybody? I heard someone say it. Joshua and and Caleb, right, Joshua and Caleb, those were the two faith spies. Anybody remember any of the other 10, the other 10 spies that came back going, oh, we look like grasshoppers? Anybody, can anybody name one of them? I did, no, one, no one remembers losers, right? <laughs> faith living, faith living does not mean you ignore the obvious. Some people think if they recognize a problem or a situation that they're admitting that they're admitting doubt. And in in Matthew 4, Jesus, he didn't act like Satan didn't exist. Ignoring cancer or ignoring your financial problems or your marriage problems are not going to make them go away just because you ignore it. So it's like ignoring your mother-in-law is not going to make her go away. Why do you always got to throw in a mother-in-law joke? I don't know. I love my mother-in-law. She's awesome. A couple of Christmases ago, I got her a cemetery plot for Christmas. I didn't get her anything last year. She, she was mad at me. You didn't give me anything for Christmas this year. I'm like, you didn't even use what I got you. So here, here's the thing. Here's the thing we see. All 12 of the spies... All 12 of the spies that came back, all of them had faith, right? The difference was 10 of them had faith in the giants. Two of them had faith in God. Ten of them came back talking about the size of the giants. Two of them came back licking their lips talking about the size of the grapes. Ten said we look like grasshoppers. Two came back saying we're grape tasters. We can do this. We can take the land. They all had faith. I love people that have faith. I mean, like faith, faith people. I love it. I love the, uh, this church of people of faith. I love that. And, and what did you say your dad always said to you? Get your faith up. What was it? Turn your faith switch on. Turn your switch of faith on. Yeah, I love people. If I want someone praying for me, I want someone with some faith. Don't you? I mean, I want someone that, I don't want someone, hey, we're going to pray for you. I don't know. I don't know if it will happen or not. We'll, we'll throw a prayer up there and see what happens. I mean, I want someone like yeah, let's go. Like, I got a, a friend, man. You want someone to pray for you? He's ready. I mean, he's always ready. Like, you're like, this guy's like, can you pray for me? Because I'll be glad to. What do you need? What do you need? Yo, he's ready. He's like, I need prayer for my hearing. Man, he grabs his ears. In the name of Jesus, you know, he's like ready. And he expects it, too. Like, he, this guy wanted prayer for his hearing. Man, he prayed for his ears. He's like, okay, how's your hearing now? And the guy's like, actually, my, my hearing's not till next Thursday. <laughs> But he was ready. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I loved about it: is His faith was strong and ready to go. So we look at all 12 of these spies, right? Ten of them. Look at those giants. Two of them. Look at God. Your conversations reveal whether you're a winner or a loser. Losers major on problems. Winners talk about possibilities. Losers discuss obstacles. Winners talk about opportunities. Losers talk about disease. Winners talk about health. Losers talk about what the devil's doing. Winners talk about what God's doing. Losers talk like victors. Winners talk like, or like victims. Winners talk like victors. The Bible is a book of pictures. Tim said, look, in our opinion, we look like grasshoppers. We're not worthy. Listen, did God create you? You're the finest thing God ever created. And God doesn't put together, be careful the words you say. Nick mentioned was somebody talking about our words earlier, speaking to the mountain. There's power in your words. Life and death are in the power of the... It amazes me how many Christians I find speak such death over the things that... Oh, this dead-end job's never going to get me anywhere. My spouse's never going to change. And we speak death over the things that should be beneficial to us. If you're going to curse something, curse poverty, curse injustice, <laughs> curse cancer. Don't curse the things that are good for you. Be careful what you say. Life and death. How many have ever said something that hurt somebody else? Okay. How many have ever had someone say something that hurt you? All right, so we all have felt the power of words. We all know from that that our words are powerful. Be careful what you say. Heard about a couple had been married 25 years, and uh, they were having their anniversary. They decided to go to the same place they'd went on their honeymoon 25 years earlier. They went to the same hotel, ended up in the same suite. I mean, 25 years they were just celebrating. You know, they'd had some ups and downs, but they they were still together after 25 years. They got back to the room that night, and the husband kind of laid his head back in his wife's lap, and she was running her fingers through his hair, you know, what he had left, and 25 years. He had his glasses on, and she took his glasses off. She looked down at him, and she said, you know, honey, without your glasses on, you look like the man I married 25 years ago. He he, he looked back up at her, and he said, you know, honey, without my glasses on... (laughs) Okay, so... Do you understand what I'm what I'm saying about the power of your words? Right, your words, your words are powerful. You're not a grasshopper, so quit talking like one, quit acting like one, quit living like one. Be careful what you say. Here's some profound advice for you. Some people maybe should use a glue stick instead of chapstick. Sometimes you just need to you just need to just keep it quiet. And quit speaking such death. A lot of people sit around crying over what they've lost in their life. What if you got your mind off of what you don't have and you started getting your mind on what you do have? Get your mind off of what you you lack instead of get your mind on what you already possess. What's God already done for you? I I give and give. God never gives back to me. I never get anything back. Really? That's amazing to me how you were able to keep giving and giving and giving if you never got anything back. Be careful what you focus on. Quit magnifying your problems and start magnifying your God. What does the Bible say? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. What does that mean? When he says that, if you've ever had a magnifying glass, what does a magnifying glass does? It makes something bigger, Right? And so what happens is most of us, we sit around and we magnify our problems, and our problems get bigger, and they get bigger and bigger. When What we should be doing is, oh, magnify the Lord. What happens is he becomes bigger than all your problems, bigger than all your situations. Start bragging about what God's planning for you. Start planning tomorrow's victories today. That negative mindset will destroy your faith. Quit looking at all the failure photographs uh we were talking about this today we we're doing a, I, I got to do podcast with with nick and he's good at those things y'all listen to his podcast it's it's good he he just is he's really good he's just talking to me and he's so good in conversation i'm just telling stories and i hope he edits some of them i don't I, a couple of things i don't want you to hear he just snuck, snuck it up on me but um what I what was I, Oh, we were talking about this. In the, I forgot what I was going to tell. Um, we, were, we were talking about this. Um, I, I, I kind of picture up in heaven, God's got pictures of all of us up on the wall, right? And, and the picture God has of you looks really good. God, God's got some great Photoshop skills, right? He's touched you up a little bit. He's, he, he's, he's removed all the wrinkles of weakness and taken out all the blemishes of failure. The picture God has of you is a picture of perfect success, and so we've got to learn to live into the picture that God has of us. I was, I was doing some, some coaching. About 50% of what I do is in the, in the corporate arena. And I was, I was doing some, uh, uh, some coaching with a guy named Lou Ferrigno. Anybody remember that name, Lou Ferrigno? And uh, I'm, I'm telling, you, telling you so that you know who I'm talking about, so it'll make sense to you. I'm not just trying to drop names like I know Lou Ferrigno. I'm not a name dropper. I'm just trying to tell you what Lou Ferrigno, Mr. Universe, Incredible <laughs> Hulk. Seriously, if, if anything I've learned from spending time with Oprah, it's that, um, so you shouldn't drop names, but um, he said when he was, he was born deaf, and he said he remembers being about nine years old, and his dad telling him he would never make anything, you can't talk right, you'll never make anything of yourself, and he remembers that, how, he, how he felt. But he said somewhere in his, in his mid-teens, he said, I don't know how, I, don't even, I can't tell you who it was, but somewhere in my mid-teens, I, I got this picture, not of how my dad saw me, but how God saw me. He said, I, and I decided to live into the picture God had of me. See, what the enemy wants to do is show you all your failure photographs, all your mess ups, because we've all, we've all made, how many have ever made a mistake? Yeah, if you've never made a mistake, you probably never made anything. Everybody makes mistakes. Uh, I don't know if I had the book Another Shot last time I was here or not, um, but uh, it, it's, it's a great book. If you've ever made a mistake, it's a great book. You'll, you'll love it. Uh, like I said, I, I work a lot with the, the, some of the, in the corporate arena and, and uh, with some of the sports teams, and there's a guy I was working with, he's retired now by the name of Kobe Bryant, and uh, he, he played basketball. It's down the road from here. Um, but in 2014, Kobe set the record for the most missed shots in the history of the NBA. The most missed shots in the history of the NBA. Now, what's amazing is seven days after he set that record, he passed up a guy by the name of Michael Jordan for the most points scored during his career. So the same guy with the most missed shots passes up one of the greatest players of all time, and and they they asked Kobe, they said, how did you do it? He said, oh, I, I, I just took another shot. How simple is that? I just tried again. He said, look, you can't let the fear of failure or the fear of criticism keep you from trying again. We're all going to make some mistakes. We're all going to have some setbacks. But what do you do? You try again. Evander Holyfield said it's not getting knocked down that makes you lose the fight. It's not getting back up. We're all going to get knocked down sometimes. Next time you feel like a failure, my goodness, there's a whole list of people in the Bible that are heroes. They were pretty jacked up. Next time you start feeling like, "Well, God could never use me," I good Noah was a drunk, Moses was a stutterer, Jacob was a liar, Samson had long hair, <laughs> Leah was ugly. No, I'm not judging Leah. It's in the it's in the Bible. Job went bankrupt. Elijah was suicidal. The disciples fell asleep while they were praying with Jesus. I mean, you think of these, the The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Huh. This lady at the hotel got in the elevator. She looked at me. She goes, you know, you look like my third husband. I thought of that. I was thinking about that Samaritan woman. I Crazy. Like how many times have you been married? She said twice. (laughs) Listen, God God's not looking at where you stumbled yesterday. He's looking at the possibilities of your tomorrow. So stop talking like a complainer and start talking like a conqueror. Look at Joshua and Caleb. Look at the size of those grapes. We're not going to constantly talk about our lack of finances, our lack of provision. Instead, why don't we start talking about our expectation of what God can do and how God can turn the situation around. You never know how God's going to take care of you. I'm not saying it's easy to live this kind of, uh, uh, I, but, it, but if, if we're going to really enjoy life, we've got to transfer from this negative grasshopper mentality into this positive grape taster mentality. You got to make up in your mind to change. And, and you can change because God's given you the ability to do it. God's given you the power to do it, to renew your mind. I know a lot of times in church we thought that the scripture said, be transformed by the removal of your mind. But, but it actually says by the renewal of your mind. It's, it's a change in the way you think. How many would admit at some point in your life you've limited yourself by your own thinking? Your own thinking has limited you. So that's why the Bible talks to us so much about it, and I think he wants us to see this. God has given you the power of choice, the power to direct your thinking, your actions, so you can make up in your mind today that you're going to change your thinking, and if you could change your thinking, you could change your life. So I encourage you, I encourage you to choose friends that build up your faith. Get around people that, that, that will build up your faith, your faith life, that, that other, other relationships can be damaging to your growth. One wrong person in your life can mess up a whole lot of stuff. Like Samson didn't have to date every girl in town to get a haircut right? Just one wrong person. There's a story of Jonah on the boat and there's waves and storms and and they start throwing stuff off the boat and it, it wasn't what was on the boat that was causing the problem. It was who was on the boat that was causing the problem. And so one wrong person sometimes can mess up a whole lot of stuff. So I'd, I'd, get, I'd get choosy. I'd, I'd get a little more selective. Get some people around you saying you can do this. You can make it. Some people that will agree with you and believe with you and build your faith up. And just dare to believe God for a new mentality, a new way of looking at things. Because we possess an obsession to expand and to grow and to improve and to increase. I think we instinctively, the way God created us, the first command God gave humans was be fruitful and multiply. Multiply means to increase. So I think instinctively God, God put this inside of us with this. We were born uh, to, to, to crave greatness. We were we were born to win and God made us. God made you to soar, not to, to sink, to climb, not to crawl. And we gravitate toward excellence because this God connection is the bridge between failure and success, between where you are and where you where you want to be. And, and listen, popularity is not success. Popularity is not popularity is people liking you. Happiness is you liking you. And that's the key is do you you like you? It doesn't matter how many people like you if you don't like you. We have a lot of celebrities. Everybody likes them, but they don't like themselves. It's it's the knowledge and awareness of your worth in the eyes of God. It's when you feel and and know the value that God sees in you. If you could see yourself the way God sees you. God knows your heart. He knows how desperately you want to start winning in life, and, and he, he wants you to, to tape, taste the grapes of failure. So stop looking at your weaknesses and start concentrating on the strengths that God's already given you. Stop looking backwards. You can't go fast looking backwards. Start looking forward at what God has for you. You don't drown by falling in the water. You drown by staying in the water. You got to get up. Get up from that situation and start setting in motion what God has for you. Nobody wakes up successful and happy. Well, if God wanted me to be healthy, I guess I'd be healthy. No, he wants you to exercise. Well, if God wanted me to be rich, he'd just give me money. No, he wants you to work. Oh, shoot, I was liking that other part you were saying. That was better. No. Everybody thinks, well, God's just in control. He's just in control of what? Of what what all is God in control of? He controls the laws of the universe, but he doesn't control your decisions. You got to decide to do something different. And our decisions create and control the majority of our circumstances. So our decisions really are the hinges on the door of your destiny. So it's why your decisions are important. So... We, we always just a, assign to the sovereignty of God the responsibility for all of our situations. But you can use your, your mind and the abilities that God has given you to create new and better circumstances. How many, how many like the rest of your year to be the best of your year? Say that with me one, more. Say, say that with me one time. Say the rest of my year will be the best of my year. I want to pray for you. I know I don't know how long I've gone. Have I, have I gone so long? And I'm supposed to go? I don't know. In, in the words of Kim Kardashian to her first husband, I won't keep you long. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up right now. But um, this is my favorite season of the year. We're in my favorite season of the year right now. Football season, and uh, I love football season. And have you ever seen a team come back? In the, in the last quarter and do more than they did in the whole first three quarters and end up winning the game. Y'all y'all seen, wait, you're, are y'all Raiders fans? Uh, so you, you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, but uh, no, no. you know what I'm talking about. Though. You've seen a team come back in the last quarter and do more than they did in the first three quarters. And I was thinking about this this afternoon. You know, we are in the last quarter of 2000, And 19. Here we are in the last quarter. How many have got some things you still want to see God do this year? I'm thinking if God can create the entire world in six days, I think there's probably, uh, probably a little bit more he could do this year. I mean, we got two more months left this year. I don't know what it is you're praying for, what it is you're believing for, but if you could get your faith up there. And begin to see yourself the way God sees you. And and, and begin to see the grapes. Yeah, there may be some giants along the way. Yeah, not everything's going to be perfect in the world. You'll have trials and tribulation, But be of good cheer. Build your faith up. Speak to the mountain that that, that Nick was talking to us about. And when you see that, the rest of your year, what are you going to do different the rest of this year? Because, Because if you do the same thing you did the first part of the year, the rest of the year will be just like the first part of the year. So you're going to have to do some things different. That's where wisdom comes in. And, and and maybe you need to change the way you see yourself the rest of this year. Maybe you need to change the way you give the rest of this year. Maybe you need to change the way you, you eat the rest of this year. I don't know what area uh, of life it is that you need to to change. But if you want tomorrow to be different than today, you gotta learn something today that'll make tomorrow different. And so as we go into the rest of this year, I just want to I want to pray for you. I think God I think God's got a plan. I mean, I know he has a plan for you. It says it in Jeremiah 29, he plans to prosper you, not to harm you. His plan's for your good. He has plans for a hope and for a future. God has a plan for your future. Think about that. How, how many plan to live past today? Let me see how plans now. So we all plan to live into the future. So if you're going to live in the future, why not make it the future you plan? What do you plan the rest of this year to look like? What are you going to do different the rest of this year? God has a plan for you. What's your plan? He said, if you bring a plan to me, commit it to me, I'll cause it to succeed. I'd encourage you next couple days to think about what it is you want to see God do between now and the end of the year. Bring it to him. He said, commit your plans to me. Let me get involved in your business. Maybe you're a business owner. Your last quarter could be your best quarter. Maybe it's in your marriage. You need God to do something to heal your marriage, your family between now and the end of this year. I don't know what it is, but if you create a plan, he said he can bless it. You can bring the plan to him. Let him get involved and cause your plans to succeed. You know what I think about plans? I can't think of any, well, the greatest plan I've ever seen is the plan of salvation, that God, that God would love you so much that he would give his very best for you. Why? He wanted a family, so he planted a son and he got a family. Maybe you never become part of God's plan. I'd hate to close tonight without you having an opportunity to become part of God's plan. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never made the decision to ask Jesus into your heart or your life. I said in the beginning, life goes better when you put God first. How many found that to be true? Maybe you're in this room tonight and you've never made the decision to put God first in your life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. Maybe you're watching online. You say, I've never put God first. Tonight I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? Dr. Dave, at one point, God was first place in my life. But if I'm real honest, right now he's not. I've allowed some other things to come before for him. Maybe, maybe it's a job. Maybe it was a relationship. Something you've allowed to come before God and you realize God's not number one right now, but you're ready to put him back first place in your life. If you're either one of those two people, number one, you've never made the decision to put God first. Or number two, at one point, God was first. He's not right now. You're ready to put him back. Bow your heads with me just real quick. Several I'm going to look across the room just one time. I'm going to count to three. I'll look from one side of the building all the way across to the other side. And if, if this is you, God's dealing with your heart, you're ready to become part of God's plan. You're ready to put God first in your life or back first in your life. When I count to three, real quick, all across the room, I want you to lift your hand real quick. Let me pray for you before we go. One, two, three. Three, real quick, across the room. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, thank you for hands in every section all across the room, some watching online tonight saying, I'm, I'm ready to make a decision. I'm ready to put God first. Life just goes better when you put God first. I'm ready to, Lord, I thank you that you don't ever condemn us, but you do convict us. You show us areas of our heart, things in our life that that may not be pleasing to you, but Lord, you said it's as simple as this. we we give it to you, you'd remove it as far as the the east is from the west. We can't even imagine how far that is. Basically, what you're saying is you're you're ready to turn the page to a brand new chapter. A new day begins in our life. Lord, those who lifted their hand just turned the page to a brand new chapter. And you said it's as simple as this. If we'd believe in our heart and say with our mouth that Jesus Christ is our Lord, we'd be saved. You know what, if you lifted your hand, matter of fact, I want everyone in the room, just everyone say these simple words with me. Say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. You talk about a decision that will make the rest of your year the best of your year, make the rest of your life the best of your life. No greater decision you can make than the decision to put God first. We, We talked about another shot a minute ago. Another word for that would be a comeback. If you lifted your hand, I can't think of any greater comeback you could make than to come back right here to Celebration. Come back here every chance you get. There's, there's, some, uh, there's some ways, some next steps they'll give you on how you can begin to, to, to get planted here. and Watch your life begin to flourish. Bring your friends, bring your family. I promise you a year from now you won't even recognize yourself. I can't think of any better place to grow in that journey than right here at Celebration. Can we put our hands together for those who made a decision tonight to put God first in their life? Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc slash give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.